Welcome to episode eight of the Collector Life Incorporated podcast. We are so happy that you decided to join us. If you're live on Facebook with us, please comment and share and let us know that you're here with us. We are thankful that you decided to uh, join us on our new schedule change uh, for today. So uh, today is December 17th. Um, I am Janessa Henderson, the owner and founder of the Collect Your Life Incorporated business, which encompasses our bi-weekly podcast, our online store, and our tutoring writing services that we offer also. I am so glad, again, that you decided to join us for episode eight. Wow, we're almost at the end of the year, and we have uh, been recording for eight episodes now, and we're so thankful for all your continued support. So, um, that being said, um, please make sure if you're watching that you are commenting so we know that you can hear us properly, and we're going to go ahead and get started. So, today has two two different topics i'm going to time myself to make sure i'm staying in time frames so uh today has two separate topics that we're going to focus on the first topic i'm going to share a, a picture and if you're watching if you're going back and listening to this on um spotify or apple Podcasts, i'll of course read it for you um but you can always go watch it on Facebook if you would like to as well. But if you're just a listener to us, I'm going to share this picture and then we're going to discuss it. So the picture says you never truly understand marriages, divorces, childbirth, death of a loved one, parenting until it actually happens to you. Theories and assumptions of situations in life are not realities. You think you are smarter than most until life humbles you when it's your turn. So this resonated so uh, well with me because this is something that I have been dealing with personally. Um, so many times people have opinions on things in your life or just life in general. And of course, you know, sometimes it's good uh, advice. Sometimes it's great, but most times they haven't experienced what you've experienced or the way you experienced it. Uh, that's what we're going to delve into. So let's go into the first thing. Like, um, for example, me as a teacher, I've been teaching for 10 years, certified educator in the state of Tennessee. I did not have my child until 2019. So prior to having a child, I could empathize or see how a mother was but until I had a child, I could not actually know what motherhood was or how like that looks like or the protection of a child looks like. Until I got divorced, I didn't know what divorce looked like until I was in that process. Not saying when I got married, I was looking for a divorce. I wasn't. So um, a lot of times people like to insert their opinions on things and how you should react to things. So um, so again, if you're just tuning in with us, we were looking at an image, and I'll put it up again, that says you will truly never understand marriages, divorces, childbirth, death of a loved one, parenting until it actually happens to you. Theories and assumptions of situations in life are not realities. 
You think you are smarter than most until life humbles you. Life has a way of humbling you. Uh, for me, childbirth was um, a traumatic experience. Um, just a short bit of the experience, I had preeclampsia. Um, so I left a doctor's appointment, routine doctor's appointment to go to the hospital because my blood pressure was 140 and it was too high. Then the fluid of my baby was low. I was also, I'm also a diabetic. So my doctor was like, no, you're going to the hospital. So I was like, what does this mean? I'm having my child soon. And they're like, yeah, she, she's coming. Your fluid is low. So, um, frantic, just stressed out. Didn't know how this was going to be. Get on the table because my doctor asked me, did I want to have, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to show y'all my picture of me, me again. Um, because my doctor did not, um, he wanted me to make the decision about my, because it's my body. Do you want to be induced? Do you want to have a C-section? And so I prayed on it real quick like a quick prayer and it was answered like you need to have a c-section and thankfully i prayed thankfully i did uh do that so i'm on the table the c-section was scheduled for 2 30 the next day however if my blood pressure kept rising he was gonna have to c-section me then but it was still considered an emergency c-section because they she had to come out so they kept monitoring her and everything and so She's cut, she's gone, she's out. And then after she's out, I'm still laying on the table two hours later. And during this process, I'm hearing my doctors say, um, my doctor say that I'm not giving her a hysterectomy. Um, it was, my uterus was too large. My fibroids that I had had grown with me grown with the pregnancy and um caused my uterus not to be um what is it able to be closed like on a normal c-section i guess i'm still not a medical person i'm an english teacher but um i guess on a normal c-section uh you're able to close the uterus right after or something like that i don't know i'm just assuming because that's what it was good that was being debated about my uterus not being closed so um then they the other doctor was like well you know she's gonna need hysterectomy and my doctor was like no she's not and I'm so thankful for my doctor I just want to shout out my doctor at the time because he did not um as a black woman sometimes we are so dismissed and you know they do whatever they can and they don't care about our health or what our, you know, as an advocate, being an advocate for us. So thankfully, he was an advocate. Um, just long story short. So my uterus finally closed after the fibros were removed. And of course, there was loss of blood and a lot of stuff. Um, so I didn't understand childbirth until I actually went through it myself. Like, and parenting a child. I didn't understand it until I actually am going through it now. Like parenting is still, you know, 
a difficult task. But even if somebody had the same story as me, say they had a C-section just like me that had their baby earlier or something just like I did, um, their reaction or their way that they deal with it is different. So they can still be dealing with it and processing it differently. So you have to be sensitive to those people. You cannot, like, um, like the picture said, you cannot just make assumptions based on theory or like, oh, well, by this time, they should be okay or they should be this. And vice versa, just like with my uh, divorce process, how I handled it may have been different from other people would have handled it or just anything, anything I've dealt with or any life experiences like the loss of a loved one, um, just how somebody deals with something. You never in that. That's why I'm just trying to say that this picture, which I'm going to show again for our people on Facebook. Again, you'll never truly understand marriages, divorce, childbirth, death of a loved one, parenting until it actually happens to you. Until you're actually in this situation, you cannot tell someone. You can try to prepare them the best way you can, but it may look different for them. They may react to it different. They may be different. And even if you're in it, like similar parents, you know, you may, y'all both may be parents, but maybe like for me, for example, with the 1100 things I feel like I have going on in my life, it may be different. It looks different for me. Parenthood for me looks different from somebody who may be a stay at home mom or because I'm a single mother, full time teacher, business owner a doctoral student, all these other hats in addition to being a mother. But my, I'm a mother first because if anything is anything is needed for Carrie Danielle, she's first. But for somebody else who may be in a marriage with, you know, a working partner or whatever, it may look different for them than what it looks for me. So even if you know, you're a parent and you, you know, or you, you're this just because they have gone, have this similar, you know, situation like you, it may not be the same, if that makes sense. Like, you have to understand that life will humble you, especially these experiences. Like, I don't know how humbling, but parenthood, motherhood definitely humbled me. I feel like a sap. I cry all the time about my child, like tears of joy, um, or just when she's developing like she's supposed to and everything. So it is really a journey. So you have to make sure you understand that it will humble you. So our next topic of conversation, which kind of ties into what it said about loss of a loved one, is basically my current grief journey. So in grief therapy, which is something I suggest anyone who's had a significant loss um, and we'll get into what grief is, but I suggest that anyone who's had a significant loss, uh, if it was a loved one, a job, um, a marriage, an idea, a work of something, because that includes grief, that you seek a grief counselor, that you seek help anyway, especially if you are spiraling and you feel yourself being extra irritable, you feel yourself being extra, 
I'm trying to use words, but you just feel like you need the help. You need to talk to somebody. You don't want to lash out at people. Get a get help. Like it's okay. Uh, like we said in last week's episode, or not last week, but last episode, episode seven, therapy and Jesus is all right. Like he created it. It's okay to have to go to therapy. It's okay to get the help that you need. Um, a lot of people like to suffer alone and think that, oh, it's just going to be all right. And they think that it's fine to just suffer. No, like these things were created for you to get deliverance and therapy. So um, I started grief uh, therapy after my dad passed. My dad passed on August 31st, 2021, which is this year. So I... Um, want to first say that with my dad passing, even though it was expected based on what they were telling us, he was going to be on hospice and everything like that, it still was a huge loss. And if I could count on my finger how many times people told me, well, you were expecting it, so you should have been prepared for it. Um, that's like the worst thing you can tell somebody who's grieving a parent, um, because you never are ready for somebody, like, you're never ready for that void to be on when you're used to being around somebody or calling somebody, and, uh, for those of you who may not know, my dad had dementia, however, he did not pass away from dementia, my father contracted, um, COVID um, at a facility that he was at uh, treating his dementia and then he came down with pneumonia which with complications from COVID so that is what was the reason you know that was what happened that was why my father passed away or how my father passed away not his dementia and I'll get into dementia too, maybe on another episode. But like prior to my father um, passing, I was already informed to do a grief journey just because the father that I once knew was not the same anymore. And I was listening before I got on the podcast, I was listening to some voicemails my dad left me. And they made me laugh, uh, not cry. Um, actually, because my dad was so confused and it was, it wasn't a laughter, like, ha ha, it was funny, but it was just a chuckle, like, that was so cute. He thought that I was his sister and he was like, Janessa, this is your brother. And it was just so cute to me. And I was able to laugh during that. Um, in this grief journey, I will say that it's hard, like, um, People, people expect me because I'm considered the strong friend to have it together and just be okay with, with life. Like, I feel like, um, I'm really big on discernment and, um, everything of that nature and discerning how people, their how people are feeling towards me and I can pick up on things real quick and a lot of people close to me thought that I should just be 
okay, like a month after or a few weeks after, just thought that I should be okay. And I'm like, I felt that. And so I kind of just distanced myself because I'm just like, well, maybe that means we don't need to be connected as we, as I thought we were. Because if you lost your father or if you lost a parent, you will understand. And like, even if like the picture that we were just looking at, even if you lost a parent and maybe you weren't as close, but if you were as close to your parent as I was to my dad, I was a true daddy's girl. I'm a true daddy's girl. And for him to leave, even after having dementia and not knowing me all the time, it still hurts. It's just like, you know, if he hadn't had dementia. So people try to put that in there like, well, he had dementia. He didn't know you. He didn't know you half the time anyway. That doesn't matter. It was my dad, somebody I loved dearly. Like the first man to really, to the first and only so far, man to truly love me like Christ loves the church. If we're being honest, if I'm being honest with any past relationship, the first and only man to truly love me like Christ loved the church was my dad. So that being said, that's a heart. That's like a piece of my heart gone. And so for people to tell you how to grieve or tell you how to get over stuff is really crazy. Um, that's one thing that I would tell anybody who has a friend or somebody who has a significant loss. Like, don't tell them how to grieve. Don't tell them that they should be okay after a few weeks or that they, they shouldn't do this or that they, they shouldn't listen to shouldn't watch a video of their dad or they shouldn't do or their parent or whoever passed or whoever was significant to them um allow them to grieve healthily if they're not doing any any harm to anyone else they're not being homicidal or they're not being suicidal then and they're not doing things unhealthily like maybe overeating or something like that um let them be let let them grieve if they would like to post every day on their social media about their loved one that's their social media if they would like to you know write a letter or they need time by themselves every day or something like that let them have that time by themselves um I will say for me, it was hard going to church and it still is like the, the first day after I really wasn't going to go, but I was like, I'm going to just go ahead and go because I think it was just out of what I'm, uh, some sense of normalcy to try to keep that sense of normalcy of in my life. So I was like, let me go to church. It was hard. I had to walk out like twice. And I really was there, but I wasn't there, if that makes sense. Like, I was listening, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. And I was in and out. Like, I was really thinking about my dad. And the reason why church was difficult for me is because my dad was a preacher. 
And he instilled in us the importance of Christ and having a relationship with Christ, him and my mom. So it was difficult to go to church because not even that songs or anything would remind me. It was just like being in church reminding me of him. And as a next week, next time, it was still difficult. The next time, it was like really hard to deal with being in church. Um, and you have people asking you, are you okay? And it's like, what can you say? You say yes, but you're not really okay. Um, because you want your dad. You want your loved one back. You don't want to, you know, be feeling like this. You you want to see them. But again, I'm not ready to go to heaven. I don't think the Lord is ready for me to come yet. So I'm going to hold off. I'm not going to say, Lord, I'm ready to see my daddy again. I'm just going to wait on when it's my time to go. However, dealing with that, having a process that I had to really go back. It wasn't until like a previous session that I had with my counselor about grief that I under, that I realized that church calls me to really like being in church those first few Sundays was really difficult it was really hard and I had to push through worship I had to actually worship more at home to get that connection I felt like my faith was dwindling I felt a lot of things but I had to build my stamina back up as a believer in Christ and as with my relationship with him because I I knew where my father was. I know my father's rejoicing with Jesus. Oh, um, my dad had dementia but he did not remember not forget how to pray. He did not forget how to worship, all that. Um so it wasn't it wasn't a doubt in my mind that I know that my dad is sitting at the feet of Jesus. But the it was just the reality that he I can't call him or I can't go and give him a kiss. And I'll show you a picture for the people on Facebook. Picture of my dad, because I'm a true daddy's girl. And that's he would always kiss me on my cheek. And I would always kiss him on my cheek. Um, I mean, I would always kiss him on his cheek. So, but this was my beautiful dad. And so during grief, like it's like I'm still in it. Like August was just a few months ago. So I'm still in my grief journey. But in this, like, I guess in this first portion of this grief journey, I have experienced loss not loss of not just the loss of my dad but loss of family and friends just being candid um there's people that um i just don't associate with anymore and to be honest i don't know if it, it's more than likely because of the grief um i probably needed to cut them off before and I was just holding on to them. And so kind of like my my dad's death caused me to relinquish the reins of people who don't do who who no longer 
provide any type of uh what's the word I'm looking for any type of reciprocity to me um there are people like in this season I will say I'm in a season where if I'm pouring into you I need to be poured back into you like I used to uh be able to pour into people and then not get poured back into but this season I can't I need I need the reciprocity like I need you to pour back into me like if I'm pouring into you I need it back and I consider myself a giver and all that and um just uh I try to be the strong friend but sometimes a strong friend needs someone to lean on I didn't have anyone to vent to but Jesus like and my therapist like that I want to vent to I didn't have anybody that I could tell how I truly feel because there was always the stigma or the idea that Janessa has it together she's the strong friend she's always there for everyone else so she can be there for herself no, that wasn't the case. I was really struggling. Um, it was difficult. It, it is difficult. It's because it's not gone over, but it is difficult. And it is something that I'm journey, journeying through as I go through life. I don't think grief is going to go away, but it's how you deal with it and how you're healing from it as best you can. And also, I want to talk about uh, my last point with grief because I feel like I dealt with grief and I didn't even realize it. It wasn't even a, with death. It was with the loss of the idea of my life. Um, when I knew it was time to leave my ex-husband, that's when I I knew that there was a loss of the idea of what my I thought my life would be at that point. Um, never would I have imagined that I would be in this posi position that I'm in as a single mother, you know, out here killing the game, doing what I can to grind for my child and by myself, for myself. However, comma, I'm doing it. And I'm doing it well if I'm just going to pat my own self on my back because, yeah, that's just it. I'm just leaving it at that. But I didn't realize that I was had grieved that idea of my life that I thought I would still be, you know, this and all that. But it's okay. Like, even I grieved when I finally realized that teaching was my purpose that I'm supposed to stay in and my calling that I'm supposed to be in. I had to understand that teaching was what I was supposed to be in. And you weren't like my, I had to relinquish what I wanted, my thoughts, my desires to what God wanted. And since I did that, it's like the blessings just keep flowing. They just come out of the provision, the peace, the joy, the love all comes because I relinquish my will to God. So yes, it may look, it may look glim. It may look there. There may be mourning right now, but there's so much joy that's coming. So I just have to keep that in my mind and keep my mind myself guarded in peace. And a, another thing with grief, 
If you see somebody calling you or texting you and you don't want to talk to them, don't. If you know that person's not going to add to your peace or uplift you during your time of bereavement and time of grief, don't answer. Protect yourself. Protect your mental health. Protect your, your mental space. And I had to also learn that to not answer the phone call because either somebody was going to have me do something for them or they were going to have me... Uh, some like they wanted me to do something for them. I already knew from the type of text it was. It was they wanted me to do something for them. But I need to be I need to be here for me. So I had to process it and sit in my grief. Because if I didn't and if I don't continue to be in it and process it, it won't it won't flourish. I'm not going to make any progress. So I highly suggest uh, journaling and just while if you're in a grief journey, you know, don't do it alone. Find you somebody who you can trust uh, as a therapist or something, a pastor or somebody, counselor, somebody that you can talk to about your experiences but don't do it alone. If you feel homicidal, if you feel extra irritated, irritable, you need to get help because you're bleeding on people who are trying to help you and you need to heal from it and not continue to suffer. Yes, they're gone. They live their life. And I'm sure your loved one is in a far better, they're in a far better place, I'm just going to say. And they ain't worried about Earth. They ain't worried about America right now. So you have to focus on you, the present you, so you can be the best for the people you have around you. That's what I had to come to mind. Like, I have a daughter. I have to get my life together for her. But um, I appreciate you guys listening to episode eight of the Collect Your Life Incorporated podcast. Even if you're catching the replay, we appreciate you. We do have... Our website, www.collectyourlifeinc.com, where our merchandise and coming soon on December 21st, which is the birthday of the owner, myself. That's why I have this vintage 1989 shirt. Um, There will be a birthday flash sale. So just make sure you're looking at our social media for our products. And make sure you're tuning in to different times of our next podcast and maybe a different time as I think it's coming up on New Year's Eve. But we appreciate you guys for joining us today. Thank you and be blessed.